Hi all and welcome along to a new episode. Um, as we're still on lockdown, there's not much been going on. I've not done much photography. Um, today is the 11th of April and I've not even managed to get out and shoot anything for the project box camera. So that's a bit disappointing, but I will see if I can get out and get some shots possibly this weekend. Um, yeah. So that's all there is for that. But I have got an interview that I did a few days ago with Ted Smith that people will know from the Negative Positives Facebook group. Me and Ted got together and spoke for about an hour. So I'm going to play that for you now and hope you enjoy that. This is going to be a first and something new for me. I've actually got a guest, and my guest this week is Ted Smith from Ted Smith Photography. Hi, Ted. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for having me on. I'm privileged. <laughs> <laughs> your, your first guest. Yeah, well, it, um, I, well first guest because I wanted to get a UK um, photographer on, and um, you're a UK photographer, so here we yeah. go. Um, so, first off, tell us a bit about yourself how you got into photography, be it digital film, because I think, you know, most of us are sort of, you know, mixed media with their filming, uh, with their photography, you know, a bit of digital, a bit of film. Um, so, yeah, just tell us how you got into your photography. Okay, mate, I will do. Um, I, well, I was asked this on uh, by Mike in the in the Negative Positives podcast, and I when I listened to it back, I thought, my God, you're rambling on quite a lot. <laughs> so I, I did take quite a long time. So I'll I'll not do that again. Um, I'll take as but, much time but, as you like. <laughs> well, to cut a long story short, um, uh, I've al- almost always been uh, a, a film shooter primarily. So I did flirt with digital for a couple of years around 2007, 2008. Um, but I was, you know, I was quite slow to move to digital in the first place um, because my photography passion started when I was about 13 or 14. Uh, the old man bought me an Olympus OM10, which I've still got and I still use. Um, That's exactly the same as me, except yeah. I, got my, I got my OM10 for my 18th birthday. Oh, did you? Right, OK. Yeah, yeah so it's a similar, but give or take four or five years, we started at similar ages then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I started out with that, um, you know, started to get a bit of a bug, subscribed to some magazines that in the old days that you used to do where you used to go to the newsagent once a month and pick up your subscription um, to this, uh, uh, it was called CameraWise, a really good kind of photography thing that went into a binder. And over the months and years, it built up into a big thing, and I've still got that as well. All right. Um, okay. So I used to read that, and that's how I used to learn stuff because obviously you didn't have the internet back in the kind of mid eighties. Um, and uh, and I'd go out shooting. I'd shoot, shoot all sorts, you know, factories in silhouette, nothing particularly splendid. But um, you know, I started getting better and better. And but I used that camera up until two thousand and three. Um, so by that point, I was. I just got married, um, you know. I'd finished school, university, all of that stuff. So, so I'd used it throughout all of that time from being about thirteen to the age of twenty-two, twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I moved to the Nikon F sixty-five, 
then about a year later, I went to the F80. Uh, and then at a similar time, so this was around 2006, 2007, I bought a Nikon D70S. Um, and I started going a bit mad, as I think most people do when they kind of realize they can just shoot and shoot and shoot. <laughs> um, so I started photographing all sorts of odds and sods. Um, but I did get... Uh, I did get a kind of a claim to fame with my digital camera. I, I shot a photograph of a butterfly in my garden and it got published by World Wildlife Fund in one of their calendars in 2010. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I was quite pleased with that. Um, but after a couple of years, I I, I moved away from it because it, it just didn't, um, for me as a, for me personally, that creative process didn't quite feel the same. So I've got, I've got no issue with, you know, a, a lot of people have this kind of staunch, argument about you know thou must shoot film or thou must shoot digital i'm not like that you know use whatever floats your boat but for me the the creative process is more enjoyable with film uh you know when you're having to look at a scene and think oh this particular scene will suit a particular film type or a particular exposure type and i'll develop it this way and i'll develop it that way yeah um you know that whole process it's all part of the photograph to me it's not so much about the image at the end um and and so after a couple of years i i uh i went back to to film and i i bought uh, a nikon f5 uh I, i've still got that as well and i use it quite a lot um and really got into that for a few years and then in 2011 i had all of my stuff nicked uh stolen for the to make sure anyone listening internationally understands what I'm on about. Um, So I had all my lenses nicked, uh, and I had actually got two F5s, um, and the one that I'd recently had serviced, fortunately, I'd left at home, and I took this other F5 to this event, um, and a thief wandered off with it all when when I wasn't looking. Uh, So that was rather annoying. And then I used that opportunity, though, to kind of stop and reflect on the equipment I had been using to that point Um, because uh, for for quite some time I'd quite fancied having a Hasselblad camera but obviously in the 90s and early 2000s could never afford one Um, but because of the digital advancements and the reduction in the cost of analogue equipment uh, they'd become a a bit more affordable I mean they were still expensive but it was more affordable than it was so I spent some time thinking about, you know, oh, sh- sh- do I really want to move to Hasselblad? You know, it's all mechanical. There's no meter in, there's no autofocus. You know, um might struggle a bit with that. But after some to and fro in, I, I went for it and uh, and I got one, uh, a second-hand one, obviously. And um, I've been using that primarily ever since. So that and my Nikon F5, depending on what I'm doing. But I'll I'll always aim to use the Hasselblad if I can just because I, I love the, the look that it, it gives me and I, I don't like seeing it unused. Um, and so that was in 2011 and here we are today, nine years later, and I'm still using it. So uh, I've always I've always shot, shot analogue. Um, I flirted with printing some years ago, around 2009. I did have some darkroom stuff, but my house wasn't really set up for it right and it was too much of a fiddle every time I wanted to do it. But then about a year ago, um, I got a bit more inspired, partly from what I was seeing in the negative positives 
Facebook group. Um, you know, I was like, oh, I really need to get back on the dark room bandwagon again. So I managed to get um, a, a really good enlarger. Uh, strangely enough, a pretty much unused enlarger. It was still boxed and in its cellophane. Got it from some chap in Denmark whose mother was a photographer and she bought it but never used it. So I got that for about 150 quid. Uh, then bought myself a new lens for it, a uh, you know, medium format lens. And I've, I've got really into the darkroom printing in more recent times as well. So, yeah, so that's that's me in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, because I, I, um, your darkroom, it, you've got like a mini mini darkroom, isn't it? You, it all yeah. sort of folds down. Because I remember you posting images in uh, the Neg Pods uh, I, Facebook group of it. I did, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for... So remembering that one, I um, yeah, I have uh, my my little study is about three meters square, so uh, it is literally a box room, and half of it has got a desk with all my computer stuff in it, and the other half behind me was kind of generally unused. It got a few things like lent against the wall and stuff, but it was generally unused. And there's one window, and um. I kind of sat and thought about it and I started measuring the base of my enlarger and started measuring the width of a tray and thinking, well, I only need three trays in a line. And to cut a long story short, I bought some fold away uh, shelf, uh, what do you call them? The things that a shelf sits on that you screw your, your wood to. Um, oh, yeah, brackets. Brackets, yeah, the brackets, yeah. shelf brackets. I bought some foldable uh, shelf brackets off Amazon for about 15 quid. Um, and I used an old piece of uh, worktop, uh, an offcut from a worktop from when we had the kitchen done that I'd had in the garage. So I measured that, uh, cut that, and then I built a little wooden stand for my enlarger to sit on that's also bolted to the wall. Uh, and it all just fits in the other one and a half metres behind me. <laughs> so whenever I want to do the darkroom printing now... Uh, it's still a little bit of a fiddle because I have to take the trays to the bathroom to get the water and things like that, but it's not a major hassle, um, you know. So I just lift the I lift the the little bench up, put my trays on there, put them put the chemicals in them, uh, turn the lights off. I've got my red light bolted to the wall, and I just turn it on and 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 go. So yeah, it's I mean it's a crap room. You know, as a room, I mean, the wife's like really ashamed of it. She's like, don't ever show anyone that room. But it is quite an inspirational room for the point of view of anyone who's thinking, oh, I haven't got the space for a dark room because I've literally fitted it in in one and a half meters. So, yeah, it yeah, can be done. So it it goes to prove that you know you don't need to have like a you know a massive shed at the bottom of your garden or a spare room to actually set everything up. You, you've actually managed to get your, you know, your set up how you, you need it, not maybe how you want it, but how you need it to actually be able to do your um, printing. Yeah. It's all about using your efficiencies of space. So, I mean, under the, where I've got the enlarger, for example, it's sitting on a wooden uh, shelf supported with a leg, but then underneath there, there's probably another two cubic square feet of space. And so underneath that, I've got some plastic trays where all my stuff sits in when it's not in use. And then when I need it, I'll just pull them out and, and, and carry on. I mean, it could be much better, but I'm a bit too... I'm, 
haven't really got the time and, and stuff for, for making it really grand. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love to have a proper dedicated dark room if I ever get enough money from somewhere. Um, it'll be the first thing I'll build. I mean, you, you, do, you, do you know, um, I'm sure you do, James Lee from uh, Classic Camera Revival? Yes. Yeah. He he posted pictures of his dark room uh, that he was building maybe a year or so ago now. And I was like, oh my God, look at that. He's <laughs> just, just got everything you need. Like everything's at waist, waist height. And, you know, you can just, you know, I imagine you could just do hundreds of prints like on a conveyor belt almost. But yeah. yeah. So, so no, I, I don't do loads of printing. I, I, I basically just do it for the special ones that I really want, want to do myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you, your journey in film is quite similar to mine. Um, yeah. You know, like you say, mine started probably a few years earlier than that. Um, but I, I got married in 84 and I was lucky enough that the place I was living in, we had a spare room. So I actually managed to set up a dark room in that. And I had that dark room for mm, probably about six, seven years. And, um, so I think nowadays, you know, uh, like you've got a couple of kids, although my kids are a, a lot older than yours, but still living at home. Uh, so it means that there is no room for me to set that up. And, and like you, if I had the opportunity and the money, that would be the first thing that I would do. I, a brand new dark room would be great because the, the actual... Uh, that's the one thing that I enjoy about film. It's not the actual going out and taking pictures, but it's the actual process of developing the films and then getting print, getting the prints done you know yeah 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 my, well my, my my missus always laughs at me because i do um i do the development of my film in the kitchen <laughs> and she always she can always predict when I'm, and I'm, when I'm about to do some because I obviously have to clean the kitchen to do it so <laughs> I, you know i make sure everything's all the sides are clean all the pots are in the dishwasher and and so on and then she just every now and again she'll come in and she'll see me stood at the sink just rotating a little tank in my hand and she's she always just looks at me and thinks, God, hey, you get bored of doing that. <laughs> and and I don't because the same reason you discuss it's like, oh, oh I've you know, I've shot a roll of, you know, whatever it may be, Delta four hundred or Triax or whatever, and you've shot it at something like sixteen hundred or eight hundred and you're thinking, all oh, right, so I'll, I'll push this a little bit and that'll make it a bit more contrasty or you might think the scene was a bit too flat so you think oh, I'll give it an extra minute in the tank or it's all that kind of creative stuff that I enjoy. And and the the picture at the end is just kind of that end result that makes it all worth it, if you know what I mean. It sounds a little bit emotive but that's how I feel about it. Oh no, no definitely I I think to be honest, I think that's how most people feel with it. It's not the actual, like I say, it's not the actual going out and shooting, although that is enjoyable. It it it's the final uh, product that you've made, you know, basically from scratch by yeah. developing and then you know getting your um, a, a print done off a neg. I mean, I, like I say, I haven't got um, the space or room for. Um, and enlarge and stuff but even so i most of my prints i do digitally um i've gone down the same road as uh mike garman i've got the hp printer um instant ink thing so that prints quite well to be perfectly honest okay it's not it's not a um you know darkroom print but the prints that come off it are quite good and yeah again the it's the enjoyment of you know that whole process of going from taking the picture right through to actually getting, you know, a nice eight by 10 print. 
Yeah, exactly. Have, have you tried, just out of interest, have you tried the new um, uh, Kodak Professional have released this new uh, Endura line called Dis- Discover Pro Silk or Discover K Pro Silk? No. Um, there's, well, they, they ran a little um, a little kind of promotion thing a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, um, where they were offering it to photographers to basically to try out. Um, you know, so if you got in touch with them, you could you could get a couple of prints done for 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 nothing, and uh, there was no right. there was no catch or anything. It wasn't like you know if you do it that thou must review it or anything like that. Uh, but I did review it because I thought that was the decent thing to do, as they made me two quite splendid prints on this mm-hmm. n- new paper. It's 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 really nice. It's got a kind of a it's almost got a bit of a texture to it uh, on the on the surface. You know, I, w- I wouldn't say grainy. That's taking it a bit too far, but there's a a tactile element to it that, that's quite nice, but oh. I, I've, I've put an article on my blog about that as well. If you ever, if you ever get time to have a have a look, it's it's worth considering if you um, if you print print yourself, you know, using inkjets or whatever. Mm. I uh, I use a company called um, Marut. I don't know whether you've heard them, uh, of them, and mm-hmm. uh, they they do a full range of uh, printing papers and. The two that I mainly use because I I mainly like using like a a, a satin oyster type mm-hmm. for my prints because I, I I tend to shoot a lot of black and white more than color and uh, it it just seems to suit the black and white and the the stuff I use is like a they call it a oyster satin and it's a two six five gram paper which it gives a nice rendition of mm. uh, of the inks and stuff so I I kind of I, I've been using them for about a year now, I think. So I kind of get stuck. It, it, I, if I find something I like, I tend to stick with it, you know. Yeah. So even when something new comes out, I, I I might glance at it but think, oh, no, it might not be as good as what I'm already using. So I, I, I tend to be very conservative in my um, stuff that I use, even the films that I use. You know, I, I, I tend to find a film and go, no, I'll, I'll stick with that for thing I, th- I think i spent most of last year shooting kentmere 400 yeah you're a man after my own heart george i'm exactly the same i i do not like switching experimenting i know loads of people do and loads of people love it and they're like oh i'm going to take out these 10 different films today and try them all and you know in many ways i admire it but I just like to stick with a few basic things and kind of become almost a master at them. I'm not, I'm not saying I am a master by any stretch, but um, I like to learn the fine characteristics of whether it be the film, the developer, whatever it is, I like to know how best to use it. And I think experience is the best way to do that. So at the minute, I'm on a, a bit of an Ilf, Ilford Delta 400 binge um, because I've used it a couple of times now and I'm really impressed with it uh, because I used to be, like many of us, a bit of an uh, an across enthusiast, Fuji across. Mm-hmm. And then obviously that, that went initially by way of the dodo. Um, and so I've spent the last couple of years experimenting a bit with, you know, Kodak Triac, Kodak Triax. Uh, I used that quite a bit for a while. Um but now I've become a bit more, you know, wave the British flag and, and trying to use Ilford stuff more. And I've learned quite a lot about the Ilford films because I used to shoot them a lot in the kind of mid-2000s. But I wasn't, I wasn't as adept as I am now 
with regards to things like pushing films and development. You know, I didn't do my own development and all that kind of thing. So when I used to send them off to this lab and the results came back, I was always a bit like, oh, they just look a bit too grey for my liking. You know, I wanted them to look really punchy and, you know, solid blacks and bright whites and that kind of thing. Um, whereas now I obviously know how to do that. And I've learned that the Ilford films generally, although they have a box speed, they're almost designed, I gather, to be... Um, uh, whereas some films have got their limitations. The Ilford films, I, I think, I don't think I'm saying this incorrectly, but they, they're almost designed to be shot at different ratings, depending yeah. on what it is you're shooting. Um, and so, again, that comes back to the mastery element that I was talking about, where, you know, if you're out and it's a, a bit of a flat day, you know, you'd use one of the Delta films to add a bit of punch and contrast to it, and you may choose to push it as well. Um, whereas if it's a real bright day... Uh, that's you know you might just use fp4 for example which is more suitable for those kind of higher contrast scenes so um so yeah i'm, I'm on a bit of an ilford bend at the moment yeah I don't, like i say that that well i mean i i started shooting kentmere because it was cheap and mm. um thing but because of shooting it over a, a year and in different uh, lighting conditions and pushing it I, I got to understand how it actually works, like like you're saying about um, you know the Ilford, and it basically is an Ilford film. Mm. Um, so now I fully understand how how it works. You know, if I'm go- if I need to push it, I know what results I'm going to get. If I'm shooting it a box, I know what I know exactly what I'm going to get. So in like say in most conditions, I I can now understand what the film will do and how I can work with it, which you know is a good thing. But I, I, I should also need, you know, look to use other film. I mean, I was because I'm part of this uh, Neil Piper's uh, box camera project. All right, okay. So I'm shooting different uh, films with that because um, of the basically, you know, what what you can actually get in one twenties. And I was looking the other day. I was thinking about uh, actually getting some uh, FP4 to put in the cameras just to see what that's like because i've never i i don't think i've ever shot that i i used to shoot it quite a lot um but that but that was one of the ones i was talking about where it, it you know if you, you have to use it in the right circumstances mm-hmm. I, I i think um and i've not yet gone back to fb4 but i think i probably will although at the minute delta 100 is uh, a bit more of my preference because I like quite punchy looking images um, and the the delta line generally I think are a bit more uh, a, a, a little bit more akin to transparency film almost in that their latitude is a bit less so you have to be a bit more spot on with what you're doing uh, when I say spot on I don't mean literally spot on but th- there isn't the, there isn't the uh, the range to go shooting it four or five stops over necessarily and, and, and get um, and get good results. So, uh, but when you get it right, they, they seem to look spot on to me, and they print really well in the dark room as well. Um, but I've seen a lot of stuff more recently from other photographers that use the likes of FP4 routinely, and 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 they've got amazing images out of it as well. So I think it's another one of these that you need to, if you know what you're doing with it. I mean, obviously you can just get you can get any image with with any of the Ilford films, but if you really know what you're doing, you can get really quite outstanding images. Um, with, with any of those particular films yeah yeah i i, I notice um because uh, obviously you you shoot 
like like you were saying uh, when you were telling us about how how you got into film and whatnot. I noticed that um, obviously when you're shooting your medium format, you you tend to shoot more sort of on the the pro side of films. Yeah, I, I'm I am quite fussy about films, um, just because um, I, I'm quite selective about how much I use them. I don't like, you know, rattle off through film, you know, willy nilly. Um, but I do like to use the, the ones that I know I'll get a really good result from. Um, because you see so many scenes, I see it myself in the group. Sometimes, you know, you'll see pictures that go up, um, and that they've been to some amazing location, but you know, they might, if you say an expired film or whatever, and because a lot of people like, that unpredictability of expired films, don't they? There's almost like a big, mm-hmm. a big. Uh, I won't sort of call it a fashion. It's not a fashion, but there's a lot of enthusiasm for it at the moment. But uh, it's not really for me because the last thing I want to do is, is if I've got up at four o'clock in the morning to go on some hike in the Peak District to capture some amazing scene. The last thing I want to do is get back and find that there's a massive colour cast in it or something because. I've used, um, I, I, you know, uh, something that's expired. Uh, I do use I do use budget film for um, things like family snaps on holiday and things like that. Uh, but where wherever I can, I'll I'll often go for the for the pro films um, because of that just in case. You know, if 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 you if you're at a particular point or a particular place and you're about to take the most amazing photo ever where all the planets are aligned and you're just going to get the perfect shot. The last thing I want is for it to not come out, not to come out right. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I use a lot of the, I use a lot of the Delta films in the Ilford line. Um, and in the Fuji line, I use a lot of like Fuji Provia, um, Fuji Velvia sometimes, although I've not used that so much recently because it's just so damn expensive. Um, uh, yeah. And, and a few others, but yeah. So, so you, you would never, would you ever see yourself using some of these new films where they've got the colour casts to them and, um, you know, like the Yodica range of film and stuff like that? No, I, I wouldn't. I've, I've seen a few of them, like where you get the purple greens, like where greens are turned purple and stuff like that. I think the pictures look interesting, but again, it's not really for me because, I, I don't know, it just doesn't, to my eye, it just looks a bit odd, <laughs> you know. So, so no, I wouldn't spend my money on that kind of film. And again, you know, you turn up at some amazing scene to take this photograph that you're hoping is going to be a war hanger, um, but then what you've seen through the lens has come out purple because if you, you've used a particular film. But I'm all for the, uh, you know, any new stuff. I mean, any new film, no matter the type, is is great for the community and. Um, it's great for for us as artists, and if we all just shot the same kind of thing, it'd be boring. But um, no, it's not. It's just not really for me. I, I think I'm a bit more old fashioned. I think when it comes to photography, I just like to take things that that look like the kind of things I used to see as posters and stuff when I was younger. You know. Mm-hmm. So, so, so also then uh, with with that in mind, then and obviously you. You know, you you shoot with your Hassi and um, your Nikon F five. Um, you're not tempted to shoot with uh, Polaroid or toy cameras, um, Instax, anything like that. Uh, well, funnily enough, um, the the Fuji Instax, uh, 
cameras, my uh, I, I first noticed them uh, a little while ago, and uh, I showed them to my kids online. I said, "Oh, have you seen these cameras? Where you know you can get the instant?" And I, I told them a little bit about the history, but obviously they glazed over and got bored very quickly. <laughs> um, but they did quite like the the concept. Um, and shortly after, we did a, a favour for some uh, friends of ours, um, and as a gift, they they said, "Oh, you know, can we get you a gift from our holiday?" And I said, "No, there's no need to." And um, they said, oh, "Are you sure you don't want any camera stuff or anything? What would the kids like?" You know, and I, I, I said to them, "I said, oh, if you want to buy some of that Instax film, because I'm thinking of buying them uh, those little cameras." And when they got back, they came back with the cameras they bought them in america uh, obviously oh. a, a little bit cheaper over there um at the time and uh, they bought them a camera each and um and the kids are absolutely loving it and it's costing me a fortune in <laughs> bloody stuff because it's like 50, 15 quid for a pack of 10 and um uh, but they um still they, cheaper been... than polaroid though uh true i mean i, I i've never actually shot polaroid, polaroid but um yeah, somehow that kind of missed me when I was when I was younger, but um, but yeah, so, so they're really liking it, and my my daughter in particular, she's been during this lockdown period, she's perhaps mimicking what I've been doing, but she's been taking snaps of uh, you know us and her, her and her brother and stuff, and her the back of her door, her bedroom door is now just a collage of these little Instax photos. And um, it's kind of got me quite into it because I saw um, uh, M from Emulsive posted something uh, a little while ago about uh, like a, uh, I can't remember if it was a a Chinese developer or uh, somewhere not in the UK anyway, uh, that was making like a a new Hasselblad back for square, six inch square uh, Polaroid stuff. Right. And... um, it, but it was a bit expensive, but I mean everything Hasselblad's not cheap, is it? But I think no. it was, I think it was proposed that it was going to be something like seven seven hundred pound or eight hundred pound. So it's quite a lot of money for a for a I say I say for a back. I know it's not just for a back, but um, you know it, it it would be quite good fun to have one. But then I think there's another Kickstarter campaign uh, that's doing something similar um, and and make, making it for quite a bit less than that. I think. So maybe one day, if I'm ever flush with a, f- a few hundred quid and I can't think of anything to spend it on, I would quite like—I do quite like the idea of being able to take Polaroids with the with the Hasselblad because I know you used to be able to. But yeah. the, the was it Fuji that that made the film for it, and then they they stopped or something? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it was um, one of the peel apart ones. I think because um, I think because yeah. obviously uh, Hasselblads were mainly studio cameras. And so, so, you know, uh, to get an idea of what the studio lighting was, I guess that's what they use. They use the Polaroid to get an idea that the whether the lights were set up correctly and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, there was there was a famous uh, there's a famous analog photographer in New York, I think, whose name I forget. You might know who I'm talking about. Who's who kind of makes a living out of taking Polaroids of strangers with with a large format camera, I think. Oh, right. um, I've forgotten his name, but he uses, you know, like a like a camera with bellows and stuff. And he sees like couples walking down the street, and he'll offer to take them a photograph with his pol- uh, Polaroid photo. 
uh, oh. for something like for something like ten dollars or something. Oh no, uh, no, I've, I've never heard of that actually. Yeah, he's been doing it like all his life, I think, from the sixties or something. I think he's a, a fairly elderly chap now, uh, but but he still does it. And it, it was in his video that I was watching about the Polaroid film. I, th- I think it was called like Fuji One Six O or One Six O C or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what he's using at the moment, uh, I don't know, but. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. It's worth looking up on YouTube if you can find it. Oh, yeah, I, I, I will. I, I'll, I'll take a look and see if I can find it. Um, you mentioned there about y- your daughter um, using her Instax camera to sort of uh, um, record what's going on at present. And that, and you, you did say that she's kind of copying you, and that, that's partly what we, we were going to talk about, um, the fact that we're in this weird situation at the moment with this coronavirus and you know a lot of people were housebound and you know things are going on and we've had you know you 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 see each day um either youtube videos or people posting pictures of empty streets in you know major towns and and whatnot or people going out um i know there was the um I think it's on Instagram that someone's going out and shooting photographs of their neighbours on their Doors, doorstep. Doorstep families or something. Doorstep families, yeah. yeah that's yeah. it. But, um, and, you know, in a year's time or whatever, there'll probably be a load of either books or magazines coming out that everyone's shot, you know, empty streets of London and and whatnot. And to be honest, if you went out, especially, I, I know you live in the Midlands, so I, I suppose what what Derby's your biggest um, city uh, where you are, Nottingham. Yeah, Dar- uh, yeah. Well, I'm 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 around Derby, and then you've you've got Nottingham and Birmingham and uh, places like that within kind of thirty miles or so. Um, right. But yeah, Derby's a pretty big place, and not Nottingham's bigger still. So. Yeah, but I mean, London. It, it, most Christmases, you see people going out photographing London, and it's empty Christmas Day because it's Christmas Day. So you know, then the the scenes that are people are shooting at, at present are not that much different. But dragging it back to what we're going to uh, talk about is you, you've actually taken a different approach to how this um, coronavirus is affecting people, um, and you've taken. You, the project that you're doing is slightly different, or it, it, as far as I'm aware, it's different because I've not seen anyone else actually going down this route of um, recording what's happening about this coronavirus. W- would you like to explain to the listeners what you, what way you're you're um, recording this project? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's not. Like, I, I'd I'll be surprised if there's not many people doing it, but they're maybe not just they're maybe just not mentioning that they are because I, I, I didn't think I was been, uh, particularly, um, you know, unique or, or original. And in fact, it was, it was following a conversation with, with you and Stanley Phillips and Malcolm Myers, um, and a, a couple of other people in our, in our chat only a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and w- where I kind of decided to do it because we were talking, um, and I was saying that, I'd, I'd quite like to just uh, make a decision that from the day that we locked down, because I think this was shortly before the UK government had said for definite, 
that it was going to go on lockdown. It might have been the day before or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, may, or maybe it was the day. I can't quite remember. But I remember thinking to myself, um, it'd be really cool to just take a photograph, at least one photograph every day, just of us in our house doing whatever we're doing. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be glamorous. We don't have to look glamorous. Just take a photograph just for prosperity's sake. But I was thought I was thinking to myself before our chat online. I was thinking, well, there's not really any point, really, because I'm not going to go and blow thirty, forty, fifty quid of the film, you know, over the period of maybe two or three weeks, just to capture snapshots of us dotting around in the house. Um, but then during our conversation, it kind of uh, kind of dawned on me that a lot of the time. Although I tend to go out with the pursuit of creating a photograph that's going to be, you know, either publishable or printable or wall hangable or, you know, basically I, I generally always try and take a nice photograph um, and I don't like to waste film if if it's not going to be a nice photograph. But it occurred to me that over the years I've taken loads of little pictures and little 20-second videos of my kids on my iPhone uh, you know, just when we're out, out and about at the park or wherever it may be. And the photograph in itself is just a snapshot, just like any other photograph and like photographs we used to take in the 80s and 90s with our film cameras back then. They were just literal memory snapshots. And at the time, you don't really look at them, you don't really think that much of them. And then they sit on your iPhone or backed up in your iCloud or whatever, and then it might be three or four years later and you happen to just look through them or the same theory is true of things like Facebook where it comes up on your timeline and says five years ago you posted this picture and you look at it and you yeah. and you, you're suddenly like oh my god wow look at that or you know look how young such and such looked or oh I've forgotten she had a hair like that it, so it might not necessarily be a profound photograph but because of the people that are in it it makes it a profound photograph and and so following our conversation that we that we had that that day i thought i thought sod it you know um i'm going to be saving a bit of money by not having to travel to work every day for the next few weeks so why not just buy some film which will help the industry out a little tiny bit obviously not a not a lot but so you know i buy some film and i'm just going to try and shoot at least one photo a day just of my kids, of my wife, uh, or whatever it is. And then when this is all over, and it will be over eventually, um, and in years to come from now, when we all talk about, oh, God, can you remember when coronavirus crippled the world? I will have a little book, because that's what I'm going to make when it's all done, a little book of our time together in quarantine, which I'll give to the kids, and the kids can 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 keep it. I hope they'll keep it. <laughs> um <laughs> And in decades from now, 10, 20, 30 years from now, when they're adults and coronavirus is just a long distant memory, but a significant memory nonetheless, because let's face it, when else in our history of all the sh shops had to be shut, all the schools been closed, you know, this is a profound time. In, mm -hmm. Yeah, in, most definitely. Yes, yeah, a profound time in a child's life, and it's a profound time for all of us in different ways. Um, and so I just wanted to create a series, a catalogue of potentially NAF photographs um, but things that will still be significant to us as a family. So it's not that, you know, some of the pictures, if, if I get some good ones, um, I've, I've already circulated in, in the group and on my website. Um, I'm not going to put them all on there because some of them are just, 
you know kind of private family life stuff but the the, the finished product the, the finished book i think is going to be really good and i'm really looking forward to to making it once all this has blown over and we've all gone back to our normal lives so um so yeah that's that's what i'm doing and yeah um, yeah that's it yeah just looking on your blog where you've posted some of the images that you've already taken and um there's a nice one of your daughter with the i, I guess it's a daffodil where she's holding it up across yeah. her eye yeah and there's also and the one that i really do love is the the one of your son where he's i, I guess he's still in his pajamas with his house coat on uh, a blanket over him with the remote control in his hand but <laughs> but looking absolutely bored because he can't find anything to actually watch yeah yeah it was a funny kind of i was just sitting looking out the window and i turned around and looked at him and he just looked so like fed up so i just quickly quickly snapped that that was a, that was literally a kind of sunny 16 kind of hope for the best uh job um and then uh i think a few seconds after that we, i took him outside and uh, we'd had a bit of a kick about but yeah he was uh he looked a bit fed up but yeah it's a funny funny picture yeah but like you say it, you know this is a time that um you know for the next few years people will, will remember it but in you know 20 years time 30 years time it it'll be it, it'll be past history and you, you, you know we'll, people will just go oh i remember when that happened i mean it, and and you're documenting this you know as a family thing which, which is a really good thing i mean you're you're probably you're slightly younger than me so you probably don't remember the three-day week back in the early 70s no 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 well, well i i was what was i i was 10 going on 11 so i it was just going i, I would have just been going towards secondary school and um you know, so some days you'd go in and there'd be no electricity, or you couldn't go in because there was no electricity and you know stuff like that because they they turned the electricity off for like three or four hours thing. And looking back now, I you know I mean I wouldn't have been able to do it because I was too young, but I kind of look back now and think oh, it would have been really good if my dad, my mum had a documented that, you know, with having the kids at home, the parents being at home. Um, you know it because it's something to look back on you know i i can tell people about it i can tell my kids about it but having that actual um you know pictorial images to show people is something quite different than actually just talking about it yeah for sure yeah and there's lots of other similar kind of things uh like if you if you look a lot of the photographs that were taken you know in the in the 50s and in the second world war as well for that matter you know a lot of those photographs weren't taken as um artistic masterpieces they were literally just journalistic snapshot type mm -hmm. in the moment photographs where they literally you know just stuck it on f8 125th of a second and out for the best kind of situations and yet now uh you know we don't necessarily look back on them and reflect on the photographic merit but it's what's happening in them or who was in them that is significant and although it might not have seemed significant at the time. Um, and, and so that's why I've decided to, to do this just for our kind of family unit, mm -hmm. because, um, you know, like I say, in, in 20, 30 years time, it will be my kids will be trying to explain it to their kids about how, when all the schools were shut and they'll be like, Oh, you know, you're joking. I don't believe it. And they'll be able to show them this book that, um, that, that I'll have made for them. So I'm probably also going to stick in the letter from the prime minister, 
I might stick that in as well. Uh, yeah, like you, you've had yours as well. Yeah, yeah, we got his yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just as like a, I don't know, I won't say evidence that it ever happened because obviously you're not going to need that, but you know, just a, just as something that's a little bit different to the for photographs. So n- not just your images though, but will you use your daughter's images that she's taken on a Instax as well? Um, I could do. I'd not. I'd not thought about doing so because, um, like I've written in the in the blog article, I, I'm I'm a bit of a stiffler for uh, uniformity. So I made the decision to, that this was all going to be black and white because of the fact that I can then develop it all myself at home. Uh, I made the decision it was all going to be Ilford Films, or it's all going to be developed in Ilford Developer and DDX. Um, so I want it to have like a consistency to it for the whole book but uh, you're right in that those little instax pictures are eventually the sellotape that's sticking them to the door is going to give way and they're going to fall on the floor and they might end up in the bin uh so so some way of adding them into the book might be a good idea um i'll give that some thought i need to think of a way of incorporating them without detracting from the the black and white uniformity <laughs> yeah i suppose i could scan them and convert them to black and white i suppose but you could do yeah i suppose but or or you could just do a second book just for your daughter's pictures and um go along yeah. them lines or i could get her to make her own little scrapbook i suppose couldn't i yeah Maybe. yeah yeah, it's yeah. Worth, it needs to be done needs yeah to be done. i definitely you know because th- these things uh, uh, you know, like you say, eventually we'll get lost in the mist of time, and um, you know, uh, it, it's. I, I I don't know whether you did you see uh, M's article um, a few days ago where he was talking about his first roll of um, film that he shot. No, I've not seen that yet. Oh uh, right, so he he basically it, it was a, he just wanted to post thirty six images from a roll of film from his first roll of film. Uh, this was his first role of film coming back to film photography. And uh, I thought, so oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. And I, I thought, well, I'll dig my necks out and see what I've got. And I went through, um, I've got about eight or nine neg folders. So I went through them and I think I've lost a folder somewhere because I know I've got images back from late seventies, early eighties, but the earliest ones that I could find was from 1987-88 and they were shot on um, XP1 okay yeah which is a really weird film because I don't even know why I was shooting that because back then the type of film I was shooting was the cheap chemist stuff so when you took your film into uh, get developed at the chemist when you got your negs and your uh, images back you got a free roll of film yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. We we'll, we'll kind days. of re- yeah, happy days. Yeah, so we all kind of remember that. But yeah, so I don't understand why I've got this role of XP one. But I also know that the images on there I haven't actually got a, a, as prints, which is really weird as well. Obviously, I've got them developed, but they were never printed. And the first time that I've actually seen them properly is when I scanned them the other day. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. But it, it just, like I say, so it's, you know, these things do at some point get lost or you, you completely forget about them. I, I, I forgot about these pictures, you know, they, these were shot like, you know, what, 40 years ago, 30, 30 odd years ago. And I completely forgot about them. 
and they're, they're nothing special. They're just of some work colleagues messing about in work, um, a few images from uh, an American football game that I went to in London, you know, stuff like that. And, and when I say American football game, this is early. This is These were British American football teams, mm. not, um, not, you know, not air, you know, as what we know today. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, so like I'm saying, that, the, you know, um, it, it is good to document these in, in more than just film negs and putting them away, like you're saying, with images that are shot on your iPhone. They go up to your iCloud and, you, you know, you probably never look at them again until you get a notification saying, oh, yeah, do you remember shooting this five years ago? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for, for you know, d- digging out things. I mean, I know a lot of people have been, at the moment, you know, they've been going through their archives and uh, scanning scanning like the first roll of film they they've 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 shot you know re-scanning it with what they know now because you know we're always on a learning curve aren't we but i think i think overall the um i can't remember if it was a quote or or just something that i've read but you know a lot of people are saying that a photographer's primary responsibility is to record history to record moments so it doesn't always necessarily have to be an amazing photograph it's the it's the moments that that count and it could be daft little things like just the way your garden looks you know it, in 10 years time you know the garden will be totally different and you look at it and go oh god yeah look at how the garden was then i've forgotten it was like that it's just those kind of feelings that i think is nice to nice to get and if um if i'd not decided to to do this and in fact if it weren't for our chat <laughs> i probably wouldn't have bothered doing it so um so thank you for that and um, well uh, to to be honest, I, I mean, obviously, I remember having the chat, but um, w- when you were talking about this the other day when it popped up on uh, in Facebook, I, I kind of thought oh, I don't actually remember that chat. But then we chatted about quite a few things that 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 evening. There was quite a, um, a lot being thrown about, so it could have um, just got missed. Yeah, it was a fairly brief discussion, but um, I, I mean, it doesn't take much to persuade me to to uh, pick up a camera and, and shoot stuff but i was just wrestling with the idea of you know is it going to be a waste of film essentially um but but at the end of the day film's there to be used isn't it and the more of us that use it the the more chance we've got of having it in the future so yeah most definitely most definitely well i think um that's been a really good chat um do you, do you want to give out your socials yeah i can do um uh, well, the, the best starting point is probably the website, which is uh, just tedsmithphotography.co.uk or .com. They're both, they're both resolved to the same domain. Uh, and from there, there are links to Instagram and Facebook. Uh, but my Facebook page isn't massively, uh, it isn't updated on a hugely regular basis, but I do try to dual post between Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so my facebook uh handle is ted smith photography all one word uh and on instagram 
it's also Ted Smith Photography, but there's a little underscore between Ted Smith and photography because someone else had got Ted Smith Photography when I went on Instagram. And annoyingly, it's not used. It's just a, an account that exists, but uh, it, I, I can't, I can't. I can't get it, <laughs> which is which is annoying because of my uniformity. Uh, <laughs> things that I like, I don't like the difference. But anyway, if you go to testmethphotography.co.uk, you'll be able to get to it from there. Okay, that's great. And um, obviously, the images that you've already got up from your because um, oh, you've actually and uh, let me just check. You've actually named it. It's um, family in isolation. Is it? Oh, a family in. Yeah, coronavirus uh, quarantine. Our, our family in coronavirus quarantine. Yeah. And are you going to update that um, as and when you get images, or are they going to be the main images that you're just going to leave up there for the time being? Uh, I'm going to add to it over time. I'm I'm basically waiting uh, for batches of four four rolls at a time. So I tend to when I do my development, uh, you know, whether this is right or wrong, I. I'm not too disinterested with it. It's the way that works for me. I I mix up some some DDX and I'll develop uh, the first roll with that, and then I'll use it again for the second roll, but I'll give it uh, an extra ten percent of time. Then I chuck it and I make another batch for the next two rolls. So that's how I do the development. I don't like to risk the developer becoming exhausted and me screw a roll of film up. Yeah. So uh, I use two batches. Uh, two two rolls per batch um and so i usually wait until there's four rolls and then i'll do those four all in one sitting hang them up to dry then press them overnight and then scan them stroke print them uh after that so at the moment since i put those on the site i've shot one roll of delta uh, uh ilfa delta 100 because it's been bright and sunny um and uh, today I've just started on another roll of uh, Ilford Delta 400. So maybe in a, a week or so's time, I'll have another four and I'll develop them and I'll, I'll add them as I go. Not, not all of them, like I say, only some of the, um, the the more kind of pleasing ones, if you like. So I'm yeah. not going to I'm not going to upload pictures of my wife in her pajamas, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think she'd be too happy. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be an ongoing thing, and then once the lockdown's done and dusted, uh, I'll get it. I'll get it printed probably by MagCloud. I've used them uh, already, and they, they they seem pretty good. Although I think they're affiliated with Blurb, who I've also used. But their their stuff seems to come from the same place, so I don't know if they're part and parcel of the same company now. Oh, but yeah, okay. either way, they produce pretty good, pretty good books. So I'll I'll use them to produce the finished product. Oh, great! Well, thanks for coming on and um, discussing this project with us. No, and, thank you uh, for having me on. Thank you oh. for having me on. It's much appreciated. It's oh, always well, nice to be. It's well, always like nice a, to be a guest on a podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll, like I say. It, it, it's um get, get more of the uk um film photography or photographers on and um you know yeah there's, there's quite a lot of us isn't there though it's just that not many of us have got you know big 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 kind of youtube channels and things like that there's but there is quite a lot of uk guys in the in the groups that that we both sit in so mm-hmm. i'm sure you'll have a lot of interest in further guests yeah I, well hopefully and like i say as this was the first one um bit nervous on this side um but i think it's gone quite well 
I think it's gone well. It's to the hour exactly, nearly. So we've, uh, we've, right. yeah, not, not too long because you know sometimes people complain when the podcasts are too long, don't they? So yeah, they yeah. certainly do. And I've not taken up too much of your time. No, no, it's been a pleasure, my friend. It's uh, always enjoy talking about photography. So thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Ted. And uh, I'll probably talk to you again at some point in one of our uh, group chats because I guess this lockdown's going to be on for a bit bit longer. Yeah, let's do it. Let's keep in touch, my friend. Okay, then. Thank you very much. All right, cheers. Cheers. Okay, then. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ted. I will leave all of Ted's social media information in the show notes. You can see my work at Flaneur with a Camera or On The Streets Podcast on Instagram. Or you can contact me at onthestreetspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also leave a message on the Anchor app. Um, This was my first time doing an interview with anyone, so it was a little bit nerve-wracking. So it was a bit umming and ahhing, which I tend to do anyway. But like I say, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope to possibly do some more, especially in this time Um, we're all still in a certain amount of lockdown and not being able to get out so yes I'll see whether I can get some more people to come on and um, have some more interviews but like I say once again thanks for listening and bye for now